You are listening to Made for This Podcast. I'm Jenny Allen, and this week we are talking about trusting versus grasping, controlling, manipulating. You can pick the word, but we all do it. Let's go. Jenny and I want to thank Callian Wax Company for supporting Made for This. Callian Wax Co. handcrafts fresh and fragrant 100% soy wax candles that people are going crazy for. Callian also donates 5% of your online purchase to trusted nonprofits working to empower brave young survivors of human trafficking on their journey. Your candle purchase gives them hope. Buy two candles and get a third completely free when you use the code MADE FOR THIS. You can shop Callian Candles at C-A-L-Y-A-N waxco.com slash made for this. And now here's Jenny. This week I was talking to one of my kids and it was interesting. They were spinning about two huge subjects in their life and it was really big. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. It wasn't just like math tests, right? It was like the future of their lives. As I listened to this child tell me what was going on in their life, I stopped them and said, hey, have you prayed about this? And this is a child that would pray about it. This is a child who walks with God deeply, trusts God deeply. And immediately, immediately, I mean, I love this about this child, is they said, no. No, I haven't. I haven't prayed about either one of those things. And I was like, wow, thanks for your honesty. And I said, you know what? What I want you to do is I want you to get off the phone with me and I want you to pray because scripture is clear. I love when scripture is commanding to me and bossy because I actually think bossiness is helpful when especially you are anxious. I talk a lot about this and get out of your head that sometimes when you're spinning and spiraling, you really just need somebody to grab you by the shoulders and tell you what to do to stop the spinning. So this is a verse that a lot of you are familiar with, but do we actually bring this out when we most need it? So when my kid was spiraling, I insert this verse to them. Here's what I said. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. So it starts off with very clear, do not be anxious about anything. And I can't imagine what Paul was thinking when he wrote that. Like, gosh, that's a very dramatic statement to not be anxious about anything. Think of all the things, big things there are to be anxious about in the world. But do not be anxious about anything. And then some translations say the next word as instead, which I like. So, so it's a placement. This translation that I'm reading, the NIV right now, says but. But in every situation... Or instead of being anxious, you're going to, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he's telling you what to do with anxiety. It's as prescriptive as the Bible gets here. He he lays it out. He says, don't be anxious. So when you're spinning, he's speaking into the anxiety, right? He knows when he's saying these words that these listeners, that these readers are going to at the very moment that they hear these words, they're going to go inward to their anxiety and they're going to notice that they aren't trusting God. They're going to notice that they're trying to control their lives. They're going to notice that they're spinning endlessly and that there's really no way to stop unless instead of being anxious, there is something to do, right? He doesn't leave them with just don't be anxious. 
Just don't be anxious. That would be, oh gosh, I don't even know. That would be a horrible verse. I, you know, if it's said alone by itself, not couched in other helpful phrases, but, but he says, hey, I'm going to tell you to stop doing this and instead to pray, to present your requests to God. So this kid that I'm talking about was worried about two important things in this kid's life that were spinning and wildly going around their mind that they could not set down, that that they couldn't figure out and they couldn't solve. And my instruction to them was, I want you to get off the phone right now. So I, I love, first of all, that my kid said to me, hey, I haven't prayed about this. I just genuinely haven't. I love the honesty of that. And then second, I said, okay, right now I want you to get off and I want you to get on your knees. I want you to physically get on your knees and I want you to present your requests, the desires of your heart to God. I want you to tell him exactly what you want to happen. I want you to say, in my perfect world, God, this is what would happen. And I want you to pray specifics. I want you to ask God those desires of your heart. And I want you to say them out loud to him. Present your request to God. That's what the verse says to do. It doesn't say quit wanting the things you want. See, trust in our minds is Give up the life that you want and just, you know, accept the martyrdom life that God is giving you. And God's not that simple. Like, yes, pick up your cross and die. You have to be willing to walk the road that he puts before you. And no, we cannot control that. We rarely ever can control our circumstances. However, he does say, I want to hear what you want. I want to delight in the desires of your heart. I want to hear what you wish would happen. I've got a plan. And I'm going to work it out. But the mysterious thing that happens when we set our desires before God is a relationship happens. Instead of grasping and manipulating, we're saying, hey, God, here's what I want. My youngest kid is adopted. And one of the things that he loves to do is get what he wants and manipulate it. And he rarely will ask us. It's part of just four years of having to fend for himself and make his life work and happen. And so what he'll do is he'll just make it happen. He just goes and gets the thing, whatever he wants, food out of the pantry or, you know, whatever. He he will make the thing happen that he wants to happen. And one of the things, exercises we've done in our lives together is just for me to listen to his desire. For him to bring it to me and and rather than to scold him for it or to say, you know what? No, you can't have that. To really listen and empathize with that desire. Now, he can't always have it, right? Like there's times that the thing he wants, he's not going to get it. But there have been many times that I've said yes. Yes. In fact, recently he came home and wanted these shorts that everybody had. I said, yeah, let's go get you those shorts. And so we go you know, get him a pair. Well, they were way more expensive than I thought. So I said, okay, you can get one pair. Now the fear was you're going to rewear these shorts every single day because he wanted them so badly. Of course, that's what happened. Even though I told him, you know what, you're going to lose these shorts if you wear them every day and don't let me wash them. And, and, you know, really you can wear these about once a week and I'm going to need to wash them. Well, of course I go out of town. He wears them every single day while I'm gone. And so I'm at a place of going, okay, do I punish this? Is it disobedience? And instead, I sat down with him. I was like, buddy, what what do you want? Like, why did you wear these dirty shorts over and over again? He was like, mom, honestly, I just started football. I'm in the locker room every day. And I just, I want to be cool. I just want to be cool. And I was like, you know what? I remember that feeling in seventh grade. I do. I remember it. And I get it. And I said, how many shorts would it take for you to wear clean shorts every day 
And he was like, two more. And I was like, let's go get them. Now, I cannot do that every time my kids have a desire. That would be unhealthy for me to do. There are plenty of times I don't go that direction in parenting, that I say no for the wisdom and sanity of our house or our budget or just whatever. But he, it was the beginning of school. We needed some things. He's growing like a weed right now. I could say yes to this one. And I did. But what I was doing in that whole moment was I was, instead of scolding him for what he wanted, instead of just saying no, a quick no, which I do often in parenting, I'm learning to go, I want you to bring me the desires of your heart. I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to trust me rather than go and take somebody else's shorts out of their locker room, which he hasn't done, by the way. But let's say that that's how he got what he wanted. Or rather than, you know, sneaking the dirty shorts and wearing them over and over again, which he did do. I really just want him to come to me and say, Mom, you know what I need and I want are two more pair of shorts. I just want him to say that to me. But because for so long of his life, he didn't have those needs met. He never brought those desires to me because he didn't know that as a loving mom, I would often meet those desires that he has. And so I just want to say to all of you, like you have a God that desires to know your desires, that that wants you to trust him with your heart, to trust him with the things that you hope for and wish for. For some of you, that's marriage. For some of you, you are middle of your life and you want to still get married and you've been afraid to pray that. And I get that because it may not happen. It hasn't happened and you can't totally control that. And so I just would say, do not be afraid to keep praying that, to keep asking him for it. There are times it's a no, right? I mean, there's just, we all know that. I don't have to say that. There's plenty of times that what we want, we don't get. And God is powerful enough to give it to us and yet we don't get it. And and we are grieved by that. And that is where grief comes in, where we aren't afraid to feel the longing and the desire that that was unmet, that that we didn't get what we wanted. But it's about the relationship. And something mysterious does happen when we bring our desires to God that we we build this trusting relationship with him. And and I'm watching it happen with Cooper and it's happened as he's been home for now, you know, almost a decade. He trusts us more and more all the time. And he is more candid and honest with us all the time. And I, it's not always pretty. Lots of times it's messy, but I'm telling you, that relationship is more precious to me than him being perfect and not having any desires. Are you kidding me? I I get it. I had I was in seventh grade and and my mom got me fake Keds. Some of y'all remember Keds, white shoes with a little blue thing on the back. Mine didn't have the blue thing. She got them at Walmart. That's what we could afford. And you know, to her, it's no big deal. She just she got me the shoes I wanted. But to me, I mean, I remember I wanted to fine blue plastic, cut it out and put it on the back of my shoe in seventh grade because I didn't want to be the kid that couldn't afford the $25 shoes. I wanted to be the kid that had what everybody else had. And I mean, I remember that feeling. And so when my my son tells me that he wants to be cool in the locker room, you know, with other guys in seventh grade, I get that feeling. And what I love is that Jesus was on earth and he empathizes with our weakness, right? Like he he actually knows what it feels like. Now, I know we're talking about silly examples and some of you, it's that you feel like you want to have children and you can't, or you want to get rid of the diagnosis that you have and you can't, like this is not happening for you. Believe me, I'm in that world right now with so many people that I love dearly, so dearly. And Oh, I mean, I want to fix it for them. I want to fix it for my sister who is going through such a dark season right now. I want to fix it. And it's not going to be fixed. I, I mean, it's just not going to be fixed. And so I know what that feels like too. And what we have in Jesus is we have a God that 
empathizes with our weakness, that understands our desires and our longings, that that knows what it feels like to not have what we want or even what we need at certain moments, and yet to to still trust his father, right? I mean, the ultimate picture of this is Gethsemane. He's wanting to avoid death. He wants away from it. And he asks his father, he says, God, spare me. Take this cup from me. If there's any way, if there's any other way to accomplish our will and, and desires to redeem these people, would you would you take this cup from me? And and then he says, but not my will, but yours. And rather than grasp his own life, he lays down his life. He says, Father, whatever you have for me, it's not my will, but your will. It's it's the ultimate trust. It's the ultimate, you know what, this may not go how I wish and I'm still in. I still love you because where else am I going to go? Guys, that's, oh, I mean, it's it's the painful reality of our lives that we would open our hands and say, God, I'm yours and I'm going to go where you call me and I'm going to do what you call me to, to do. All right, y'all, you've heard me talk about them before, but you're going to hear me talk about them again because we are obsessed with Callian wax candles. I use them all the time. Their pumpkin and spices soy candle is a limited release, so they only have it for a little bit, and it smells like pumpkin and sweet brown sugar, caramel, vanilla. There's a home and holiday candle, and they have quickly become my absolute favorite. I love to keep a few of them on the shelf because they come in these great little kind of craft boxes. We're coming up on the holidays, you guys, and these are the things that you can stock up on for your teacher gifts, your family gifts, and people will love it. Callian also donates 5% of your online purchase to trusted nonprofits working to empower brave young survivors of human trafficking on their journey. Your candle purchase gives them hope. All of Callian's candles are made in-house at their candle shop in Texas, and they are paraffin-free, cruelty-free, lead-free, vegan, non-toxic, eco-friendly, and all of their fragrances are infused with essential oils. You can go to callianwaxco.com slash made for this. So that's C-A-L-Y-A-N waxco.com slash made for this. And when you do that, you can buy two candles and get one free. Y'all, that's a steal. So you ready? Callianwaxco.com slash made for this. C-A-L-Y-A-N waxco.com slash made for this. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you. And now back to Jenny. I'm going to answer some of your questions on this because I know this is tricky. The first question is, trust can feel like a super spiritual Christian word. Why is this such an important part of being a healthy person? Because for me, surrender has been the greatest thing to ever happen to me. It's the scariest thing that ever happened to me, but it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So let me give you an example. My anxiety, (laughs) this is funny. My anxiety, it plays out this verse perfectly that we're talking about in Philippians. My anxiety when I was trying to control everyone being okay with me and liking me, the desire in my heart for a decade of my life was the approval of people. Thank goodness that has died or I would not be able to do what I do every day. But that was a huge part of my life in my 20s, early 30s. And I would want that and yet it it wasn't coming, right? I was a pastor's wife and it didn't matter how hard I worked at it, it didn't come. And in trying to get everybody's approval of me, I actually died to who God had made me and I stuffed all of the gifts that he's given me. And I just lived with so much anxiety that I didn't sleep and I worried all the time. I had panic attacks back then semi-regularly. I mean, there was just, it was an unhealthy situation. When I came to the place, which this is a long story that I'll tell another time, 
you can read anything. There, the story is there. That book is that story. And when I came to the place where I said, God, I'll do anything, I surrendered everything. And I did. I just began to say, God, do you want me to you know, do this or this? And I just was wide open. I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of living for the approval of a few people. And instead, I'm going to live for you. And whatever that means, I'm in. Well, he began to speak. He began to lead. He began to show me this is what I want you to do. And all of those things were somewhat scary and cost me, certainly cost me people's opinions. And the cool thing was I had, I was doing scarier things. I was disappointing more people and I was actually happier and more free and had less anxiety than I'd ever had in my life because all of a sudden I had surrendered the thing I was trying to control and no longer did I have anxiety about it because I just accepted it. I'm just going to let people down. My body is failing me. My, you know, whatever it is for you, I may not um, get married. I may not have the thing that I want that I think I need for happiness. And when you lay that thing down, it's amazing. You start to breathe. You start to go, okay, the worst might happen. And I might, you know, because ultimately the great fear, right? We're all driven by great fears. And underneath our anxieties is really some big fear. And, and the fear for me was I would lose everybody and I would be alone. And hey, that, so what then? I would have God. I would have God. And I think that that surrender, even though it was so difficult and it felt like a knockdown drag out fight to get me to open my hands, and it did, it took me like a decade or more. When I did, it was amazing the anxiety comes down. So, so why is trusting such a big part of a healthy person? Because to some degree, it's like, well, yeah, this is not, this may not go how we want, <laughs> right? We may lose everything. We may lose the thing that we're craving. We may not get what we want, but I trust God and I'd still have him and I'd still have heaven. And there's something about that that gives you great courage and helps you not live so anxious. Another question is, what does it look like to grasp? How does this person live? What does it look like? You know, I, I said it in the opening of the episode. It might be manipulation for you. It might be anxiety. It's not going how you want. Your your jaw gets clenched and you're just so anxious because you're not going to get the thing you think you need or the thing you think you want. And it looks like trying to make everything work. One of my kids is actually really good at making her life work how she wants it to work. It's the most impressive thing I've ever seen, actually. You know, I was actually thinking about her in this episode. I know I've talked a lot about my kids in this episode. I, I would say in this that she is pretty good at just, I don't know, she just, what she wants usually does happen. <laughs> she makes it happen. And recently, a circumstance came up where she could not control it. And I watched her. It was amazing. I watched her. And you know what? It was hard. And she had a good little cry about it. And then she looked at me. She was like, I'm okay. And what I love about this kid is she actually trusts God. She actually walks with him, knows him. And so while a lot of times her control, and I would call it somewhat manipulation, works and it, it all works out for her, when it doesn't, she loves and trusts God so much that she's like, okay, we're going to go through it and it's going to be hard and I don't want to, but I'm going to receive it and I'm going to trust God. And I think for a lot of it, that's a lot of us, right? That that we do our best to control our circumstances. And then it's the big question is what happens when we can't? What happens when we just can't make what we want happen? And that's the moment of surrender, right? That's the gift of difficulty and trial is that we learn perseverance. We learn hope because we don't get what we want on earth. And so we hope for what 
is to come. And and so don't be afraid of those seasons. And it was actually beautiful to watch it and and to see her faith just spring into action. So I don't think it always looks like, you know, sitting back with your hands, you know, open and just whatever you say, God, you know, lots of times we are out there making a way like we are out there working with God, hopefully to accomplish great things for him and to provide for our families and to get on a dating app for some of you. I mean, you're working with God, right? You're like, you're not just saying, no, I'm not going, I'm just going to sit here and hope that he walks through the door, my husband, or, or I'm going to expect that money's going to fall from the sky somehow. You know, we get out there and get a job. You know, there's, there's a collaboration. We've talked a lot about that in this season of, of trust and also, you know, taking care of our, you know what? So we've got to do both and we trust when we can't control it. And as we are going, we're trusting God, even in the midst of doing the work, right? We're, we're watching him work with us, hopefully, and doing what he asks us to do, even if it doesn't make sense and doesn't equal perfect provision. We trust God. I know this is tricky, guys. Woo-hoo, I know because we love to control. We love to control. We all do. You know, we all do. All of us want to control our circumstances. And good for you on the days that it all works out and, and on the days it doesn't we surrender and we let go and we say, okay, God, the cup's not passing from me, but I'm still in. You guys, this podcast is truly one of my very favorite ways to connect with you. And we are trying to find creative ways that we can hear back from you because sometimes it feels like we're just speaking into the air out there. And we know you're really out there. There's so many of you listening and really have been with us since the very beginning. So we want to hear from you. So we've set up a new text message system where we can talk to you, where we can tell you things, what's going on. We can send you free guides that we're building and tools that complement the podcast. If you signed up for our text before this, this is a new system. So you're going to need to sign up again. Text the word podcast to 214-225-6267. One of the reasons I like this system is I'm going to be able to text you back. Now, not all the time, guys, I lead a crazy life with all my kiddos and and work, but every once in a while, I'm going to get on there and reply. So send me messages. I would love to hear what this podcast has meant to you and just where you're from and who you are. So text the word podcast to 214-225-6267.